Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God and what it means to have that kingly authority. And we know Jesus, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, isn't he? And we're preparing for Advent and we're preparing for, uh, to celebrate Christmas when Christ came. And uh, we're also thinking about when Christ will return. You know, I think there's certain things that you just have to believe as a Christian. And they're like non-negotiable things. You know, Christ died, Christ was risen, and Christ is coming back again. I think there's some of those things that we just like, okay, he is Lord, he is the King, he has authority. And then what we've been talking about over the last week, and I'll carry on today, is what is that kingly authority? And how, how does that affect how we act, how we believe or does it affect how we act and how we believe? If we truly believe Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has authority. It was one of Jesus' key messages, the kingdom of God is near, or it is at, at hand. It is this close. And we spoke last week about what it meant um, to when Jesus talked about the kingdom. We talked about um, authority and rule. We talked, uh, went back to Genesis and went a little bit there. Then we jumped forward to a bit of Matthew. And do you know the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is mentioned over 50 times in Matthew? So I think it's quite important. Certainly Matthew thought it was Im- important to talk about and obviously quoting Jesus. And um, today we want to get then skip right to the end of uh, talk about, about Revelation and uh, John's apocalyptic book of Revelation and what that means there. And uh, let me come a bit more central here. Um, we began to speak about what it means to have authority as a believer. Where does our authority come in? Where are we meant to rule and reign as humanity, as we saw in the beginning? But we know who has ultimate authority. Jesus Christ himself has authority over sin and death. We know that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We know we have access to the living water, the tree of life, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We know that we are seated together with him in heavenly places. And that heavenly places is a place where he rules and reigns. And he's waiting until all his enemies are under his feet. And God is using the church because all creation is waiting for the sons and daughters to, to be, appear and to fulfill the victory that Jesus Christ has already won. Has already won. Can I hear an amen? amen? The place where Christ rules and we are meant to rule with him. I spoke about this last week. To rule in life or to reign in life is to be above and not beneath. That's from Deuteronomy. To be the head and not the tail. And we're meant to be rulers with Christ in life. And how do we rule in life? Or do we let life rule over us? Because one thing for sure, life can be pain. Life can be suffering. And life can be hell on earth. Is that the truth? And if you're not suffering, you know someone that's suffering. It's the reality of the world that we live in. But we are meant to rule over life. And we're meant to. Paul wrote this, One man sinned, so death ruled all people because of that one man. 
But now those people who accept God's full grace and the gift of being made right with him will surely have true life and rule through the one man, Jesus Christ. Sin once used death to rule us, but God gave us much more of his grace so that the grace could rule by making people right with him. And this brings life forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Last week, we focused on uh, the kingdom of God and what Jesus was talking about. And I want to talk a little bit more about when that kingdom will be finally realized in full. We know uh, from last week, we spoke the kingdom is a place where the king has authority. And we know Jesus said that it was, it was here and was now, but we also know it's here and it's not yet. We have that sense, don't we, that not all things are under the subject rule of Christ. We know that the gospel still needs to reach places where the gospel has never been preached. And we know this not yet. And we're waiting for his return. And I think Christ is very patient with us as humanity because he wants everyone to hear. Everyone to hear. He wants everyone to come under the rulership of Jesus Christ. He said, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we know right now that's not a reality. So who is doing something about it? Who is bringing in God's space where God rules? And Jesus came and his message was so clear. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I wonder if that's a message that somehow missed today among liberal Christianity is that message of repentance, that message of change of heart and mind. Repent and believe. And we can't do just the believe. We have to do the repent and believe because we used to believe a different way. But now we're saying repent and believe. We are changing the way we are. I need to keep still and not get too excited. This boot is not evenly walking but we want God's space where God rules and who is going to bring that authority in there who is the who are the people to bring in the kingdom's rule Jesus put it this way didn't he He said the rule of God has arrived God is now in charge and God rules the world or he wants to rule the world through human beings But human rule has to be tied into being made in the image of God, given that authority, repenting of that sin that cut us off from God and coming into the kingdom of God through faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We spoke about the humans in the beginning that had the the rule, yet they succumbed to temptation and great was their fall. This is why Jesus had to come. This is why he had to preach the good news or the gospel, the proclamation that the the king has returned, that the king has come, that something new has happened. But the way he described God's rule and reign surprised everyone. Some thought he would deal with the Romans. Some thought this kingdom would be this powerful, successful kingdom that had to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat the natural enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in his kingdom was the weak one. It was the one who loved and served the poor. To live under God's rule and reign is how we respond to evil by loving our enemies, forgiving others and seeking peace. I tell you, we need peace in this world. We need to pray for Israel right now. We need to be agents of peace and pray for peace. 
Jesus came not to deal with the Romans physically with a sword, but he came to bring the kingdom rule and reign. He had an upside down view of the kingdom which many didn't see or didn't understand. But he saw how sin had devastated the people of God. And he saw the sin had corrupted. See, the sin of Adam corrupted not only humanity, but it corrupted nature itself. And this is where Christ had to come. And he saw the condition of the rebellious human beings that rebelled against God, sought out their own way, and had to bring them in subject to him again. And the result, uh, the, the result of Adam's sin was tragedy, devastated creation and the world. And Christ came to reverse that, to turn that around, and to bring his rule and reign. And he was going to do this by sacrificial love, he would defeat the enemies. It said he took captivity captive. He put his foot on the head of the snake and crushed him that he might rule and reign. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted with him having the robe and the sign saying he was the king of the Jews. And he received the crown, didn't he, and the robe. And he was exalted up, not to a throne, but to a cross. The kingdom of God, we know I spoke about this last week, is found in word and in deed. Paul would say in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God isn't about what we eat and drink, but it's in right living. If you want to know if you're part of the kingdom of God, are you living right? Are you living as a new creation? Are you subject to the old sin and death? Does sin rule over your life or does righteousness rule in your life? You have to read Romans 6, 7 and 8 and that gives a really clear picture of how sin ruled and self ruled but at the end of the day the spirit rules because the spirit in life in Christ sets us free from the law of sin and death. I ain't got time to go into that. But as we repent from our old life, we speak words and what happens is actions follow our words and we leave behind the chaos that, was, uh, that creation was left in. And it bring, comes in embracing God's order and God's way of doing things and God's new life, a new beginning. We know the kingdom of God is here, but we also know it's a not yet. And Jesus said, didn't he, in Matthew 24, 14, that when he was asked, when will the end come? When will the kingdom be fully realized? And he says this, the good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation. And that word nation there is ethnos, every ethnic group, every tribe, every tongue, every place, the gospel will be preached. And then and only then will the end come. We can get so caught up with you know, looking at the signs of the times and thinking, yeah, Jesus is returning. And uh, amen, it's true, he is. But the, the sign is that this gospel must be preached to every tribe and every tongue. You know, this is why, you know, we are ministering in Southeast Asia. We're supporting a pastor that has 15 underground churches and he's training these leaders to go into tribes where they've never heard the gospel. Places that we can't easily go, that we are as a church supporting, praying for. This is why we go there. This is why we're in Southeast Asia. This is why we're, we're preaching the gospel. Next week, we're on the streets of Ely. I know it's a little closer to home, but we're preaching the gospel. Next Saturday morning, if you want to come and join us, um, we, we need to get the gospel out there. 
The good news that Jesus is King of kings and he is Lord of lords, that is the good news that we are preaching. And we have to be about heaven invading earth. You know, sometimes we can get caught up with, yeah, I prayed my prayer and I've got my ticket to heaven. Well, that's all right for me. But what about those who are suffering? What about the destitute? What about the poor? What about the lonely? You know, we run a night shelter here for those who are sleeping rough uh, to give them somewhere, a roof over their heads. And it might be only for a couple of nights while it's cold, but that's something. And I know we can do more. I know we can do more. Look at Jesus' manifesto in Luke chapter 4. You know, what was Jesus about? The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach good news to the poor and if we want to have our holy huddle and dance and worship, and that, that's great, and we want to feel the Holy Spirit like it's bubbling within us or we get some kind of goosebumps, that's great. But is it the, the Spirit of God upon us and the anointing of God upon us to preach the good news? What else are we doing? We can say, yes, I have all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, but why has it been given to me? If it is not to preach good news, to bring good news, to bring some slice of heaven to someone's hell on earth. We need more invading of heaven into earth. John uh, wrote the book of Revelation and he states that worthy is the Lamb of God. And that by his death he made people able to rule again. And this is in Revelation 5, verse 10. It says, You have made them to be a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will rule on earth. Who are the they? He's talking about us, the redeemed. He's talking about the ones who have overcome, the ones that stayed faithful to the end. That's who he's talking about. And if I could go into that kingdom of priests and what it means to be a priest and to be an intercessor, what it means to stand in the gap. You see, a priest um, will minister to God on behalf of others. You know, a prophet will minister to people on behalf of God. And I, I so digressing. I need to stop digressing. Finish my notes here. But we're meant to be a kingdom of priests. We're meant to rule. And part of this is understanding the book of Revelation. I know that's, that's difficult for, for some believers. And, um, you know, where does this apocalyptic book fit within our sphere? And I think if you look at the grand scheme of the, the scripture, Revelation fits in there so nicely, so easily. Um, you know, some think it was an indictment against Rome and against the rulers of the, of the day that John was talking about, maybe in a coded way. And okay, that's true. But also John is preparing humanity to rule again. And he's preparing the churches. So first of all, he writes to the churches to stir them up, to challenge them, to, 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 to get them back on track. And, but it's an apocalyptic book. It's talking about... The, the rulers of the time, but it's also a book that speaks to us today. And then the last couple of chapters talk about the very end of times, you know, which John knew was coming and, and, and preached and talked about. And, you know, it consumed everything about when will the kingdom finally be realized and when will we rule as part of that kingdom. But Revelation has applications to every generation. Because it's understood that the kingdom of God is coming and will be fully realized. And we understand that one day all things will be brought under the 
submission of Jesus Christ, every tongue confess that he is the Lord and King of Kings. Let me just read some of Revelation chapter 3. This is a warning to, to the angel of Laodicea. And he says this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were neither hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep you the shame of your nakedness from being seen, the salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. I reprove and I discipline those whom I love. You know, that's right back to creation, isn't it? Where the nakedness was covered. There's so many hyperlinks going on in scripture that, you know, it links the beginning and to the end. And in, in themselves, they thought they were rich and they were prosperous. This is back to the temptation of Adam, isn't it? Right in the beginning. Um, See, so be earnest, therefore, and repent. There's that word, repent again. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. This is the heart of Christ. And often we take that scripture as he's knocking on the door of the unsaved, of the unredeemed, when actually he's talking to the church. I, I don't know, is there a church in Laodicea that, that Jesus is not welcoming? If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will eat with you. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne. Just as I myself have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's clear from John's writing that we're meant to rule and reign, that humans will rule again. To overcome in life means we bring the rule of his kingdom and we are agents of that rule of heaven invading earth. And don't we need it? Don't we need it? You know, some, for some, life is, is literally hell on earth. It couldn't get any worse. You know, you talk to people and they're just at the end of themselves. They can't see. They're, all they can see is darkness. All they can, and there's no hope. What kind of Christ follower would I be if I'm not able to give hope to those in darkness? We read it at Christmas, those in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus preached the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and he's given us the task to finish the job. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, All authority in heaven and earth, this is Jesus, has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. There's that word nations again, ethnos ethnic tribes, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know you want presence of God in your life. You want to feel that God's with you, that Christ is with you. Preach the gospel. Simple. Yeah, simple. We talked last week, didn't we, about resisting that temptation and living right and where... Adam failed, Christ succeeded. To, to, to 
win that victory over the enemy. And I think I mentioned this last week, Colossians 2. Talked about when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ, you are buried into Christ. This is Colossians 2. Because you were dead in your sins and your trespasses. But God's power showed that he raised Christ from the dead. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins, and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive in Christ, forgave all your sins, cancelled all your debts, which listed all the rules and we failed to follow. He took that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. God stripped the spiritual rulers and powers of their authority with the cross and he won the victory and showed the world that they were powerless. You see, Christ has made the way for us to have the authority. He's made the way. And we do this by repenting, being baptized. Baptism is not just some ritual that we follow. It's something that changes and transforms us completely. And it's something that we leave our old life behind, our sin, our trespasses, and we walk in the newness of life and we walk in that authority. He says you are not free from the power of the enemy and you are not free from the power of your sinful self. But Christ did both of those things. And we need to walk in that, but we also need to preach this and bring others in into this. He says you've got to be baptizing others, teaching them to do what I've called you to do. We are meant to walk in the authority of Christ in this life. This is what we're destined for. This is what we're called to. And I, and I think, how do people go through life without purpose, without meaning, without understanding why we're here? Without understanding that this world so desperately needs some good news. How do we do it? How do we walk in this authority? Revelation 12 verse 11. It says, They conquered by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not cling to life even in the face of death. The blood of Jesus has forgiven us, has cleansed us. And some people don't really understand the fullness of the power of forgiveness because it's, it's a hard thing to live with is unforgiveness. Whether you feel not forgiven, where you feel the weight of the guilt, the sin of the world, weight upon your shoulders. But to truly understand that the blood of Jesus forgives us. Our testimony, the word of our testimony, what does that mean? What has God done for you? People can't refute your testimony. What is your testimony? I was once this way, and now I'm this way. There's power in testimony. There's power in this. What has God done in your life? And I love this last bit with, did not cling to their life even the face of death. You know, sometimes we can be so consumed with our consumerist life that we think that's more important than anything else. That we hang on to life in the face of the most difficult challenges. I said to someone recently, I said, what if preaching the gospel became outlawed in this country? 
what would we do? What would we do? Would we cling to our life and deny Christ? Or do we deny our life, take up our cross and follow him? I want to close with this from Revelation 21. Because this is where this is all leading to. Now we don't know the time, the date, the hour when Jesus will return. But we have a job to do. We have a job to do and that has got to be to bring good news. To be the ones bringing heaven to earth. Invading. Invading earth with heaven. And we can do this. We can pray. Yes, amen, we can pray. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we also have to speak. We have to connect with people. People that are suffering. So most people are suffering. They don't even know why they're suffering. But they don't know Christ. They're without hope. The final victory, this is. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. Isn't that what we're praying for? Isn't that what we're hoping for? We want God dwelling with us as he did in the beginning. He will dwell with them as their God and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who is seated on the throne says, See, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this, for the words of this are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. And those who conquer will inherit these things. I will be their God and they will be my children. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, all their place, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You know, with the good news comes bad news. Let's not shy away from that. Because what if you don't accept the good news of Jesus Christ? What if you continue to live in sin and fornication? What if you continue to be polluted by this world? The end is not pretty. And if that's not enough to wake up the church, we sang that, didn't we? Wake up sleeper. Wake up, church. The people are are facing not only suffering in this world, but eternity of suffering. If we don't do something about it. I don't mind that kind of responsibility because I know the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bound up, to set free those who are captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord. To proclaim the year of the Lord. That's the same thing, isn't it? The gospel, the kingdom of God is here. Maybe you're listening this morning and you don't know what it means to follow Christ and you are caught up in sin. And you're caught up in those temptations we talked about, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. These things are dominating your life and you just want to be free. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, how can I be free? I tell you who the sun sets free is. Free indeed. Amen. 
Amen. So how, how do we conquer? How do we overcome? We believe the blood of Jesus Christ paid for our sin. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe he took the punishment for your sin on the cross? That he bled and he died? Do you believe in Jesus Christ being the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Not only is he King of kings out there, but he's King of kings and Lord of lords in here. Have you surrendered your life? Have you repented of your sin? What does that mean? Have I turned away from the life that I've lived without you? Come on, have you done it? Let's close our eyes for a moment. Maybe it's, not maybe, it's time. You know, I know the gospel is being preached in all the world. It is. So the end cannot be far off. But in the meantime, we have a job to do. And that's preach the good news. But first, we need to be right with God. We need to leave behind the sin, darkness, all those things that you say, I don't want to give those up because that's part of me. I, well, that is a road that leads to destruction. And it's a wide road and many take it. But there's a narrow road. There's a narrow road. Will you give up your old life for the sake of the kingdom? Will you turn your back on those works of darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness, and come into the light? You know, we come into the light and all of a sudden we see things in our lives that you know we're not proud of, things that God shines his light on by his Holy Spirit. And we don't get stuck in there and we say, no, I'm coming into the light. And as I do, I'm leaving behind the sin that would so easily ensnare me. And I run the race that's set before me. Look into Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. That when he calls, he calls the good and faithful. And he calls me to enter into his joy. Lord, I choose to leave the life behind. I choose to walk in you. I believe that your blood paid for my sin. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead, giving me new life, giving me a new creation. I believe that old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I encourage you, challenge you, pray this prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Enter into my life. Change me forever. Bring me back to you. That I may rule and reign in life. That I have no more fear of sin and death. I have no more fear of darkness and shame. I'm running, running into your light. In Jesus' name, amen.